There's a new podcast app that delivers chilling true crime stories straight to your mobile device. Every day they release a new episode that investigate the gruesome true acts of America's worst serial killers. And you can explore into the minds of psychopaths and murderers. To get started, find and download Murder Minute from the App Store or visit MurderMinute.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-M-I-N-U-T-E.com to get your daily dose of true crime creepiness delivered straight to your mobile device. It's a good show. Ah, it looks like we're recording. Um, I'll tell you what this is, by the way. After yesterday's... Maybe I'll listen for a little bit longer to make sure I have everything good. After yesterday's debacle, uh, my, my guest is here with me, Sean Watkins. Um, musician Sean Watkins from the Watkins Family Hour, um, Nickel Creek. Yep. And... Um, Friend Fest, one of the founding, <laughs> one of the founders of Friend Fest. Who, if you look at my Instagram from about a week ago, uh, you'll see a lot of strange camping photos and also music photos. Um, I was at Friend Fest, the third Friend Fest. That's right. And um, I've asked you to do this numerous times, but. And a lot of other people. I have this habit of waiting till the last minute, um, like yesterday, the day the podcast is due. The podcast comes out on a Thursday, so I have to have these turned in by Wednesday at like, f- I want to have them in by five so yeah. the people at Feral can um, compress them and edit them and do whatever they have to do. Yeah. And so a lot of times, especially... You know, if Busy's out of town, uh, I wait until the last minute. I'm like, well, I should see if someone wants to do the podcast. And it's like yesterday, I texted you in the morning saying, can you record today? And I did it with like five people and everyone's like, what? Uh, No, how about some advance notice? (laughs) And so I have a feeling that Busy's going to be indisposed a lot more often now that she's got her talk show coming up and she's currently in new york doing kimmy schmidt and i believe law and order svu so i I had the idea this morning i can't believe it took me this long i'm gonna start just banking episodes yeah it's a good it's a good thing to do especially if it's not like a time sensitive kind yeah. of podcast you know you're not talking about like what happened yesterday in the news or no the big medical emergency right. that happened in the news yesterday <laughs> so that's what this is like if busy is around next week and, and record that will probably air i have a huge suspicion that this will be airing next week because i don't know if she's going to be back i don't know anything is this part that we're talking to is this part they're going to be in the in the podcast right now or this this will be in the podcast i have to i have an hour to fill so i put every little bit i can in yeah i mean i i've liked the uh i'm a huge fan of the podcast my sister told me about it right around when it started she was listening to it and and then uh and i uh i love podcasts and i need to like get into some more i've got like what else do you listen to five of them that i that i really like um Pete Holmes, I like his. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Pod Save America, it's really good for political. Oh, I don't know stuff. that one. It's really cool. It's it's these guys that um, 
were Obama speechwriters, and it's like three, three or four guys. Sometimes it's two guys, sometimes it's four. Is John Larroquette one of them? No, John Lovett, oh. who's a writer. No, oh, that's the person I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think he's written some TV. Um, but he was a, like a speechwriter, and they were like um, advisors, I guess, Obama's advisors. Yeah. So they're like full-on political insiders. And um, I heard about it on like some NPR show where they were recommending podcasts, and and it just sounded interesting. It's really great. And they actually tape it. I think they just moved, but forever they were taping it upstairs at Largo in the office area. That's right. They had like a, a little office up there. Um, but it's really great. It's super cool, like trustworthy, like mm-hmm. stuff like here's why you should – here's how you should, you know, think about this. People are making you worry about this. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Here, you know, like it's just very trustworthy and, and um, from like people who were like inside the White House and knew what was going on. And, and, and it's like them filtering – the news of today, yeah. which is so much better than like some some dude reading it off of you know teleprompter. Yep. <laughs> um, and so we we were talking. You you approached me, I think when I was at the height of my heart palpitations. Yeah. And you were like, you should uh, ch- have this checked out because you had a similar. I think our things are totally different because I have since had a full heart scan. Yeah. Which came up clean and great, which is awesome, but it also now makes me think, what the fuck is wrong with what, my heart? What's, what, what's the current status? Are you still having palpitations? Yeah, but not as much. I yeah. think it was stress. Yeah. Because I, it really started before my uh, ex and I had broken up. It was like a couple months before we broke up. It, they started. And I think they started because I was stressed out because I had a feeling we were going to break up. Right. And I was dreading that. And I think that's when it started. And then through the breakup and after when I was sad and depressed, uh, you know, they kept going. Yeah. Um, But they're they're happening a lot less often. Um, It's so messed up that like stress causes the thing that makes you more stressed. Like that your body... Like somebody was saying, somebody was telling me that like, like you, you should listen to your body in every case except with anxiety. Cause like, I mean, you should listen with anxiety, but like, you know, anxiety can cause it. It's just this feedback loop, you know? And like the fact that it can cause heart palpitations, which makes you think you're having a heart attack or something. And then that makes it worse. And then like, it's yeah. just a cycle. Of- well, it's the, um, yeah, it's the especially with panic attacks and anxiety, it's yeah. the fear of having another one <laughs> yeah. causes them. Yeah. So like yeah, like you said it's a loop, but um I actually it's funny cuz I had this um experience. Like I've had my my heart palpitations they started when I was like 15. Um <sighs> 14 or 15 I was playing football with a friend and my and like I remember I got tackled and like I stood up and I could feel my heart was beating really fast. It didn't hurt. I wasn't out of breath, but it was like, like really fast. Yeah. And I was like, dude, feel my heart. You know, like it was kind of like funny. Like, cool. Check this out. And my friends like, dude, that's weird. And then it would, it would happen for like a minute. Dude, that's weird. Yeah. And like, I would have them feel like my pulse and they're like, oh my gosh, it is. And then, um, 
Oh, my, my girlfriend, Dominique, just Hi, walked Dom. in the door for all you guys listening. By the way, I, I just want to say I'm so happy to be on, on with you. Thanks for inviting me, and it's fun to talk about all this stuff. And oh, yeah. I've, I've had, I'm currently not really a practicing hypochondriac, but I've definitely practicing. had, had, my, had my, my, my times in there. Um, and I was thinking when you, when, uh, today, before you came over, I was thinking about all the, all the stuff I could talk about, but, um, I'll, I'll save it. Hopefully I can be a guest at some other point, <laughs> but what was the, uh, so, so I was like 15. So, or what so was this, it? yeah, yeah. Like so 15 playing this started football. at 15. Yeah. And it, like it happened and then it just, it would last for like a minute and then it went away and then I started playing football again mm-hmm. and, you know, came back home to my house, mm-hmm. told my parents about it. My mom was like, oh yeah, that used to happen to me when I was. When I was younger, and then I grew out of it, and then like it's it would happen every now and then. It would happen like when I would I would sit down if I sat down really quickly in Sitting. a chair, which was really weird. Certain things like going down fast would cause oh, cause it to start, and then I could make that's it stop weird. a lot of time by coughing. If I was just just coughed, it would go back to normal. That's weird so because weird. when I would get the heart palpitations, you want it cough. would make me want to cough. Yeah, I think it's some like weird. It also kind of feels like you have something in your lungs a little bit, like it. Yeah, like it is feels, it my heart or is it my lungs? Yeah, it's just uh, like this gonna... uneasiness in the middle of your chest. Wow. And so, um, you know, I told my mom about it. She seemed not worried about it because she had something similar when she was. So I went to the doctor. They're like, yeah, it's probably genetic, and your heart's you know fine from all I can tell. And <laughs> and and so then <laughs> then it kept, like kind of kept happening. I went back again. I was probably sixteen. And they gave me like this heart halter monitor thing to wear yeah, around. I wore it's one just of all those. that bullshit. And nothing, of course, happened. When I whenever I put it on, it was fine. Take it off and then like starts Boom. happening. Yeah. So you know, I I tell doctors like, you know, because it was alarming, but also like when you're that age you don't really care and you're like just healthy and so and he didn't seem alarmed. He was like, Yeah, you're probably You're immortal when you're a fifteen <laughs> yeah. year old. You're not think you're like, Oh, that's weird. You're not yeah. thinking of Oh my God! This is the first steps towards death. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, you know, he didn't seem alarmed about it. It was like, yeah, you'll probably grow out of it, and that just kind of stuck with me. Like, all right, well, doesn't seem, you know, it seems like if it was really bad, they'd they'd say something about it. Yeah. Um, and then it, it kind of like more or less went away for a while, and then it would happen like every, I don't know. Sometimes it'd be like a year. Oh, so I should say there are two different things that would happen. They would be like out of the blue. It would just start beating like three times as fast. And it would go from like anywhere from like 30 seconds to like five minutes. Ugh. And, you know, and then that and then that there was one thing. And then there's another thing where it'd be like two or three beats like duk, 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 and it would stop or just one like duk. just yes. like one really hard beat. Yeah. 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 Know? And um, and this is like before the Internet. So you couldn't really like just Google it and see that like a yeah. bunch of people are like oh that happens to me all the time it's yeah. like if you do it now more or less people there's not really any it's like you can't really find cases where people like died from it they're like there's not really any red flag like here's a, something's really wrong with you it's just like a condition <laughs> generally yeah, 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 yeah. but back then i didn't you know i didn't really know that um so i would have those two things happening it was like it's like single skip beats or like one that was like just really hard and then but then there was like the prolonged kind and um yeah mine would i mean it turned out mine was adding a beat right where for me it oddly felt like it was skipping because i told the guy i go it feels like my heartbeat's skipping 
and it was while I was on the treadmill. And he's like, no, he's like, actually, I can see it happening right now. He goes, your heart's adding a beat. Yeah, I had that too. But it was coming from one of the lower chambers. And he said, yeah. your heart beat, your heart pumps or beats from the top down. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this extra beat is coming from the bottom. Right. And then I was just like, oh, great. I have heart cancer or something. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? He's like, he's like, I'm not really allowed to talk about anything because I'm just a, you know, uh, basically like a nurse or like a, you right. know, the technician. He's he's like, but I can see what's happening. Wouldn't it be great if you could, there was like an off the record kind of thing with, with doctors. Cause I feel like they can't really say what they think because of all the legal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, that in their mind, they're like, I got the truth. Like I, you can I know what's up with, you this know, dude. I know what's up, but they can't really, you've got six months to live. <laughs> I am not allowed to tell you that. Or the other thing, like, dude, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, like, That's all I ever want to hear. Yeah. I love going to the doctor because now most of the time it's, yeah, like with my heart, you, when the doctor called me, he's like, yeah, your heart's great. Your heart looks great. Yeah. That's what I want to hear. I know. And I should say in telling this story, ultimately, everything's fine with me. Um, but, you know, so... It kind of like so out of high school in my like early twenties started touring a lot with with Nickel Creek, um, and kind of around that time I started having like what I didn't know were but figured out that they were like panic attacks and um, or anxiety attacks. What's a, is there a difference? Panic attack, anxiety attack? Is that it? For me, I I get am told I get both. I, I can. Not really tell a different panic is more like urgent. fight or flight. Panic like, is more urgent and yeah. like get the fuck out of here. Right. Anxiety would manifest itself more in like this weird ongoing feeling that I wasn't getting enough air. Right. Like I constantly even though I was breathing normally, yeah. I felt like I wasn't getting enough. So I constantly <laughs> yeah. was going <sighs> Yeah. Like every five minutes I would just have to take a deep breath, like yeah. Like I wasn't getting enough, even though I was. Yeah. And that was just kind of, I think that was more the anxiety happening. Yeah. The panic is really more an urgent, I'm dying, I need to leave, or I'm going to die. Right. Kind of feeling. I think I started, I had more of the like urgent, just kind of out of nowhere uh, panic stuff. I didn't have general anxiety. Um, but I, I think maybe, I don't know what really brought it on. It was, maybe it was... You were a kid and you were touring. Touring, hitting the road. And I was yeah. kind of a homebody at the time. I don't think I really would have gotten out into the world. I grew up in San Diego in this beautiful area. And I, mm-hmm. you know, moved out of my parents' house and lived on the beach for seven years. And it was like really great. And right around that time, I started traveling all the time. And, and at first it was a little bit hard. And I would just, you know, I'd be like, oh man, when, I, when am I going to get home? Mm-hmm. I would leave for tour and sometimes just like I'd fly to Nashville, get on the bus and I didn't really know sometimes when I was coming home right. months and probably I'd be gone like 10 months out of the year. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was great. You know, I went from like, like zero, I mean, you know, making hardly any money at all. Like, you know, just nothing to, to, yeah. to like grown up adult wages. Like in, in one year, I remember I just was gone and I came home and I was like, whoa, I've got some money now. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and, I, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and you know, I was like, oh great. Now I can move out. I can, you know, cause I lived at my parents' house till I was 25. Um, cause I did start touring like around 22, 21, 22. 
maybe and why pay rent on a place that you're never going to be at that was it and my parents were great super cool and they're like just you know stay here as long as you as long as you want to and at a certain point i remember i i was still touring a ton but i was like i'm 25 i can't be living at my parents house which is mostly that so i found this really cool place on the beach in carlsbad and nice and it was really it was really really great i had it for a while but back to around like in my early 20s when we started touring i remember like you know feeling this these you know having these fight fighter flight fight or flight moments um <laughs> flight or flight yeah and uh <laughs> and you know just kind of and they would come out of nowhere you know and i didn't really you don't really want to talk to people about that you know you no. feel like it's it's embarrassing vulnerable and and then i was in a hotel room in like middle America somewhere, like two in the morning, there was like an infomercial that came out. It was like, do you ever feel, and it just like listed all the symptoms of a panic attack. And all these people are like, sometimes I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden I just start freaking out. I think I'm going crazy. My mouth goes dry. My heart starts beating fast. I can't see straight. What is and I was like, that happens all the time. And then this lady comes on and she's like, these are just the symptoms of a panic attack. You know, call this number and you can order our like ten disc CD set <laughs> <laughs> of how to like fix it. We're gonna cash in on your fucking fear. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And so what? What was funny is that like that was all I needed. Like it just went away after that. I was like, oh, oh you didn't even get didn't, the CD. No, DVDs. I just needed to like hear other people say that that was. <laughs> <laughs> the thing and like i was like i could buy this buy this cd set for like 79.99 or just know that i'm normal yeah, yeah or just know that other people have it i was like oh because it just explained everything and um and so then it was like a year or two i didn't really have a panic attack and like all this time you'd ever now and then my heart would you know i'd get like skips or things like that and i <laughs> i went through a time where i was just going to the doctor like every other month because i thought something was wrong with me and yeah and when i moved out of my house when i was 25 i think that was another thing like just moving out was a change uh -huh. oh so i moved to this house in carlsbad this really cool beach house and um i was living there by <laughs> myself and about like a month into it i just started feeling weird like like disoriented like i couldn't like i'd be walking through a doorway and i just hit the side of a doorway like mm -hmm. like i wasn't calculating right like just bumping into things when i shouldn't be oh. it just kind of felt generally like spacey and oh, that's so, me like, all the time instantly, that's <laughs> like my vertigo I like, I, so in my brain i'm thinking i my brain isn't getting enough oxygen there's some something blocking it and i'm gonna have a stroke so i just went to the i'd go to the doctor all the time be i like, love you just connecting <laughs> the dots <laughs> absolutely like brain's not getting enough oxygen Meanwhile, like at the time, I'm like surfing two times a day. I'm running super healthy, probably the most healthy I've ever been in my life. And so I go to the doctor and I'm like, dude, you're totally fine. I go again a different time. Like, and I was like, I swear, I'm, I feel like weird in my head and I can't <laughs> see and I'm bumping. <laughs> weird in my head. <laughs> and the, and, I, and I got to the point where the doctors were like, dude, you're just wasting our time. Like, you're fine. And... So then, I love a doctor <laughs> so then, who'd rather tell you you're wasting his time than collect your money. So, um, and then I went through this time where I thought it was my cell phone, and anyway, I went to Europe for a while. Felt really great. Came back, and uh, meanwhile, like every time my sister would come over to my house, she'd be like, "Did you leave the gas on?" And you're like, "Smells like gas in here." And I'd be like, "No, it's not. It's fine." She's like, "It smells like gas." So, like six months later, plumber comes over. And has to go under the house, and uh, oh, that's the fan. It makes noise when 
Hey, Dom. Or, hold on. It makes noise when there's a gas leak in the house. <laughs> well, now Sean has left us on the edge of our seats. She got it at <laughs> shittyfans.com. <laughs> <laughs> shittyfans.com. Um, it worked great. And, and then all of a sudden, it just, the other day, just started squeaking and then stopped. My, uh, my humidifier started doing that. It's now making noises that in the middle of the night, it'll sound like someone knocking on my door and scares <laughs> the shit out of me. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's my humidifier. Oh. Great. But, um, so wait, so Sarah's asking you. So if you're Sarah, yeah. So the then I, the plumber came over for, to fix something, and he's like, "By the way, you have a massive hole in your gas pipe under your house." <laughs> That's and why you were spacing. I think, out. I think that was it, and he fixed it, and it never, I never, never happened. <laughs> but oh like, my I lived God, on dude. the, I lived on the beach, and I always had my doors open, like my front door and then my back door. So it was always like air coming in. I think that's what kind of saved saved me. Like, oh yeah, my God. And then, <laughs> so anyone listening should keep your doors open. No, but like, that's what those uh, those monitors are for. Like, the, yeah, there's, I know. Not the fire detector, but what's the other the one? Carbon monoxide. Would that have detected gas? I think it's different. Maybe this not. is like natural gas, like what your stove burns. But that's what your nose is for. Your nose should be like. Right. I mean, I, I, can I smell think that. I just, I would smell it. Sometimes if I was gone for a long time, I'd come home and be like, oh, I kind of smell something. But it was just like a hint. But <laughs> it wasn't a hint of much. natural gas. <laughs> I think the leak was under the house. And so most of it Jesus. was like under the house, but some of it was leaking into the house. Anyway, that, that was my, my theory. But like. And that kind of started this like hypochondriac phase with me. And um, I, I think a lot of my because I have what you were describing as like the cloudy feeling. Yeah. And I also have developed this weird asthma type thing. And I often wonder if it's um, black mold. Right. And yeah. I honestly don't know who to call to have that check. I think it so costs anyone... a lot to get it fixed. Because it... I thought about this that here downstairs in the basement. There's a carpeting. Yeah. And. Dominic, my well, Busy and I talked about that because uh, what's his name? Johnny Carson's sidekick, Ed McMahon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember this back in like early 2000s or maybe in the, the late 90s. Uh, he was in the news because he su- had sued his contractors because he had black mold in the house. Mm-hmm. And they came in and all they did was paint over it. Whoa. They didn't bleach it out or do what they were supposed to right. and then his dog ended up dying because of it he got really sick and so honestly anyone listening who's dealt with black mold uh leave me a comment in the comment section or email Dude, us at no I, know Docs two, I know two people who have had it in their house and it was just a like two year long nightmare where they had to like redo their entire house both of them own houses but health-wise what did it do to them um, like they just got sick and it was this weird thing where doctors didn't really know what was the problem, which it totally doesn't make sense to me because black mold is such a prevalent thing. I feel but like it's like, like Lyme disease. Yeah, totally. I have black, black mold poisoning or Lyme disease. Yeah. And like, I think it affects different people differently. It depends on how much is in your house and like, yeah. but like one guy, his kid just kept getting sick and had all these weird problems like asthma come out of nowhere and. And uh, they had to like completely, basically bulldoze their house and. It's build a, a new huge one. problem, and also it's one that I'm afraid to tell my landlord. Hey, I'm coughing all the time, and I feel like shit. Right. We may want to check for black mold because he's just going to be like. I think oh, it costs like a, like five hundred dollars to to check to check it. Yeah. 
I would pay that myself. Yeah. Um, so anyone listening, recommendations. Yeah. So that 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 ended up being fine. But <laughs> around that time, we were, <clears throat> you know, all this time, like I'm having these like little heart things, and yeah. and I kind of like <clears throat> I would try different things. Like I heard magnesium was really good. Yep. It does help. <clears throat> Someone said like blackstrap molasses is really good for it, but. <laughs> I've never heard that. It's like a it's like a home remedy, yeah. which usually they never work. Um, but uh, I was in got to a point where I, I was in Germany. We're on the on the road, Nickel Creek. Um, we did like three three weeks over there, and um, I started having like pains in my chest, <sighs> like right around my heart. Oh. And so, like, of course, I'm connecting the two things. Like, um, yeah, my my heart palpitations are now turning into like a heart full blown heart attack. And I got, I got to the point where I was, I was in, I was in Germany and it like, I was on a treadmill and my heart just like my chest started hurting so bad. And I, I just know I I'm called laughing my, because I know, yeah, I, I called, know your reason. And I called my mom. I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And she was like, Sean, you're totally healthy. That's totally fine. And don't worry about it. And I, and that kind of helped. Cause she <laughs> like, she's pretty cautious about that kind of stuff. And but I was convinced, you know. Meanwhile, playing shows, everything's kind of fine, and you know, uh, it never got in the way of like playing, you know, or anything. And um, and I was going through a breakup at the time too, uh-huh. like my first kind of real breakup, which sort of may may make sense. And then uh, so, but it got to the point where I was so, when I came back from that trip, I was like, I shouldn't drive because I'm I, I was so. Con- so convinced that I was black, could have a heart attack out. at any time yeah, yeah. that I was like I'm not safe I'm not safe so then my mom was like okay we need to just like get this taken you know taken care of you can't live like this so I went to this like fancy crazy heart scan place in San Diego mm-hmm. like high tech where they take this 3D image of your yeah, heart that's what I did and uh, and you know you lay there in like an MRI machine and it's like a nightmare but you know you come out and the 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 doctor she's you know she's like well the good news is you're totally fine um and i was like well, what what's the problem like what why why is my heart hurt that makes you more mental yeah that also oddly when they say you're fine makes you go more insane because yeah. you're like well i know something's wrong yeah and i'm here i don't want to be here yeah <laughs> yeah so so then I was like, well, what is it? She's like, well, it's anxiety. I had the same thing. I was in the army and I got discharged because I had panic Whoa. attacks. And she was like, yeah, it was like this thing that got in the way and I couldn't. So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. I was a medic in the army. And wow. I was like, and she, she like looked at my heart. She's like, yeah, you have a, it's like your heart is like totally healthy and big. And like, she's like, a lot of people have big. these like small, has like small, like walnut w- hearts. <laughs> Well, she called, like a this, she, called it, she called it a penis heart. She's like, some people have a penis heart, a little tiny penis heart. It looks like a little penis. What is that? Even <laughs> like the head mean? of a penis. Yeah. Oh wow. And but she okay. said mine was bigger, and like the the tubes are big when they call the, the chambers, the, 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 uh, the, the ventricles going out. You know, like basically saying that you know you have makes, a healthy heart. Yeah, and uh, and so she's like, yeah, the, um, this thing that can happen when you have anxiety is you can get chest pains. And I was like, well, that is so stupid. That's bullshit, body. Like, why oh, is that's the, a bullshit why, body? Why is the thing that yeah, it's just it's just dumb. Um, so <laughs> that made me feel way better. And I went for like another couple years and like, you know, I kind of felt fine and anxiety kind of crept, uh, crept in again. Jesus. And so basically, I don't know, I don't want to take up too much time on this podcast with all the details, but please, no, but, no, it, it's you know, it happened like a couple. There was another breakup where like I, I was having this anxious time. I was living in West Hollywood, and 
And like late at night, I was walking around. My heart just started beating fast again, which is like had kind of gone away. And so I thought it was, I thought it was kind of not happening in in, in my body anymore. I felt like I'd grown out of it. I was probably like twenty seven, <laughs> twenty eight at the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it happened like a year and a half later again, and uh, it would also always happen at night, like when I was sleeping. Ooh. And like I'd wake up, you know, and and then like you know, like walk around, cough. Sometimes it lasts like three minutes. Uh, so that, and then it kind of started getting in the back of my brain, like, oh, this is, you didn't grow out of this, you know? And, um, which is kind of a bummer. And doctors were, you know, they would say like, well, they, they didn't really seem to have like a, an answer. It was just kind of like, well, you know, you're probably okay. You know, come back if you probably, need, you, know? you don't want to hear that from a <laughs> professional. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. Even when it's your car, you don't want to hear a mechanic go, it's probably (laughs) fine. fine. And then you go on a road trip and you're stranded in Death Valley. Words to not use. So fast forward to uh, five, almost six years ago. I was on tour with Jackson Brown and we had a day off in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is right where, um, yeah, Raleigh, Durham, Mm -hmm. that area. And uh, had a day off, had some friends in town, went out that night, um, and then went to bed. I woke up at like 4.30, you know, and my heart was beating super fast. It was happening. I was just like, shit, you know, this is such a bummer. And then you kind of go into denial. I was like, man, maybe maybe I'm just having a panic attack. I'm just anxious. Ended up walking around the hotel for like 40 minutes. And I was like, okay. And it wasn't going No, and it was like, like, if I had to put a number, it was probably like... Like if your heart beats like sixty, it was probably like four times. It's four times as fast as it should be. <laughs> so I called the tour manager and I was like, um, "Hey, um, I'm okay, but like I, my heart is freaking out and I need to go to the hospital." And um, that was like such a bummer thing because then you're like giving in. You know, I felt like, okay, this is what I need. This is going to be a whole process. You know, and you're on tour and you don't want to fuck yeah. up the schedule yeah totally it's jackson brown yeah we're you don't on fuck up his schedule. yeah it's like you know a, you know two three buses a, you know a bunch of trucks and like playing Ugh. big places i mean it's his show he could do it without me it's not like it's fine um so i called the tour manager he's really great he comes he's like meet me in the lobby in five minutes so i go down to the lobby and uh and then he goes up to the front desk he goes where's the nearest hospital and they said well duke duke hospitals right down the road like half a mile so we go to the hospital. It's like, you know, five in the morning now. No one's there. Check in like, you know, and I feel totally fine. I'm not like out of breath. I'm don't there's no pain. It's just that my heart's beating really fast. Ugh. And uh, and I was, you know, I seem normal. And I was. Oh, and I also had had like I had like a half a Xanax in my in my bag. And I was like, if I'm going to the hospital. I'm taking taking the Xanax. Oh, no. <laughs> Because I didn't want to like, you know, it's like such a nerve wracking experience. I told them when I got there, it's like I took a Xanax, so that's why I seem kind of calm. And they were like, "Okay, well, we're gonna check you in." So they like, you know, they're like, come on back. So I go in, I go in this room, I'm sitting in this chair, and there's like, you know, all these doctors around me. They got me hooked up, and I'm, you know, they can see like all my vitals and everything, and how fast my heart's going. And I was like, "Oh, this is real. This is all happening." And they're like, "Okay, so the first thing we need to do is stop it. So we need to, you know, we're gonna give you this um, thing in your IV." And it's going to feel really crazy, and your heart's going to stop, but don't worry, it'll start up again. <laughs> <laughs> While you're awake. Yeah, and, and they were very nonchalant about it. And um, 
And That's it, giving me anxiety right now. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> you don't have you don't have this. You don't you know you, no, you would, I know. this is totally so I so I was like wow okay and I remember the nurse was like you can hold my hand if you want it's gonna feel really crazy or like oh, Jesus so I like held Christ. under her arm and they as soon as they put it in it's like sl- it's like you're driving like a hundred miles an hour and you slam on the brakes it's just like it's like craziest feeling i think i like lean forward and like it's like five like maybe three seconds and then all of a sudden it's like dun 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 you know back to normal just a reset and they're like okay now we need to do a bunch of tests and figure out what it what caused <laughs> now we it. need to stop your brain <laughs> so they're like we're gonna do then they start listing all the things it could be there like it could be a blood clot in your chest in your uh, lungs it could be christ <laughs> yeah, it could be all these things so i so i spend the whole day so okay so then I, I, the tour manager he's outside he comes in <laughs> and i was like dude i'm gonna have to stay here like today and you know they're gonna run these tests and i knew the the, the tour was gonna leave like at the tour buses were leaving at like noon or something. They had to drive up to up the East Coast, like to Philadelphia yeah. or something. And um, he, I said, "I'll you know, I'll text you. I'll let you know what's going on, how long these tests are going to be." So he leaves. I stay at the hospital. I'm totally fine. The Xanax has like lasted like six hours. It was great. <laughs> it was so great. And the and the do you know what that drug was that put the brakes on your? No, heart? I don't know what it was. But it's the opposite of adrenaline. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, it must be. Um, and they said just for people, if anyone has this, they also said like a trick. If if this ever happens again, a thing you can do it's is kill yourself, <laughs> stop your heart permanently. You, can, you said you can drop, you can dunk your head in ice water, and that stops it because it like signals a different set of nerves to your heart. Like anyway, slow down. oh Jesus, I know. So they do this, and then they're like, okay, we're gonna. So I send the tour manager. I say I'm gonna get all these tests done today. I'll let you know what's gonna happen. I'll text you. And so he's like, cool. So he leaves. I text my sister and, you know, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm just going to stay here. They're doing these tests. And, um, was she on tour with you? Yeah. So she was on tour. Um, and the tour eventually ended up going. They left. Le- they left me at the hospital. <laughs> and I was like, I'll just catch up. I'll fly to wherever you are when I when I get out of here. So um, so the whole day doing these tests, one of them was like, you know, this like scanned or like a you're in the MRA machine. Again, it's like nightmare. Worst. Mm-hmm. And uh, all like a you know ultrasound, blood tests, a million things. And at the end, the guy goes, "Okay, so everything's fine. I mean, your, your actual heart is healthy, your body, everything's great. What the problem is, there's a nerve, there's a faulty nerve in your heart." <laughs> and <laughs> they so they figured they figured it all out. They're like the the actual physical heart is fine. It's just this nerve. He said, we can do three things. We can let you go, but it'll happen again at some point. Or we can try and treat it with medication that may or may not work. Or we can do, and I was like, oh, God. Or like, we can put you to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Or and I was like, third option is going to be some open. heart procedure. You know, some heart. And I was, he, he called it a procedure. He's like, or we can do this procedure, um, It's uh, and that will certainly fix it it's like 97 and a half percent success rate and you're like that's not certainly (laughs) that's most likely and it was like the highest that they could legally do because they can't say like a hundred percent you know and um you know so i was like really nervous but then he's like it's actually like outpatient you can do it like in a day you know um and he said what you do is you know you we go in with a wire through um, a vein in your groin, which I don't know why you have to do that. And they go in and they stick this wire through your body all the way up into your heart. 
and you uh, and they find, oh, they God. Find, so you're all asleep you're asleep while they do this uh, it goes in your heart they poke around they find the nerve and then when, once they find the faulty nerve they cauterize it there's a little they like electric they like there's an electrical spark it. that like breaks the nerve and uh, so basically he explained it he said so what happens <sighs> is your heart has all these nerves thousands of nerves that can all trigger your heart to beat and it's it's not like one nerve it's a bunch of nerves so if this one particular nerve that you have gets triggered it's con- it's connected to itself like a loop so it basically is this feedback loop and it will keep triggering itself indefinitely and so like you know like maybe coughing was the thing that sort of like for some reason and yeah. used to like do that or if you dunk your head in water that makes your body react in a certain way to where your heart like sl- slows down or does something so it's different nerves um but basically i had this nerve that was connected to itself and he's like we go in with this wire up your you know and uh, we poke around and we make it make your heart do what we saw it doing and then we cauterize it and then you're done you're fixed and i was like that sounds great. Let's do that. <laughs> you know, like oh. instantly, I was like, "Awesome!" Oh God. You know, and um, you know, and I had pretty good insurance, and I didn't really, I, I didn't really have to think about it, which was like made me realize like how much of a bummer it is that people, some people, have to think about whether they could afford something like this or right. go on living right. their life like with a big question mark. Yeah, yeah. And um, so <laughs> I was like let's do that. And they're like, all right, great. Well, we're going to have to check you in. And so I sign all these papers, check in like, we can probably do it. This is like Sunday. And like, we can do it, uh, Wednesday, maybe oh Tuesday. My God. And they're like, but you should stay here until then. Um, in case, just in case there's like an opening. And so I was like, all right. So then I'm just like in the hospital. I've never been in the hospital before. And it's, you know, it was like looking back, it was fine. But at the time it was just kind of like the biggest bummer is you just don't feel, you feel vulnerable. Like, yeah, even though I felt fine, I was healthy, like I could get up and walk or run around if I wanted. Like I'm always connected to this IV, this like my monitor, people are coming in to check on me all the time. And uh, so, so anyway, so then like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night, they're like, okay, we're going to do it tomorrow at like 7 a.m. And, um, and, uh, and they said, normally we would just, uh, we would let you leave, you know, it's outpatient, um, surgery um there's only like one stitch in your groin where they go in they, they go in through this like nerve like right in your upper thigh there's <laughs> one stitch so you you can you usually leave but they said since you don't have family here you're not going home we'd love to keep you uh, overnight and i was like all right fine so i go in um <laughs> uh i go into uh i wake up in the morning you know you can't drink anything overnight you can't you have any water you're like really thirsty wake up at seven in the morning and by the way, the other weird thing is, have you stayed in like overnight in a hospital? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, not a lot, not since I was. Like the weirdest younger. thing. So I was there like three nights. You get used to the fact that like two times a night, some guy comes in and like takes blood from your arm. Like I wake up, there's a guy <laughs> yeah, like yeah. with a syringe taking, and I'm just like, oh okay, that's happening. Yep. yep. Um, I also remember being like, I can't sleep. Can I get a uh, Ambien? <laughs> and they just come in with an Ambien. Again. Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah, but um, when they take the blood, there's already like a valve in your arm. Right. They just hook a little tube in. Yeah. They're not poking you. Not really, That's but already there. Yeah, but you can feel they're it. They're just draining you. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're like just moving your arm around and <laughs> yeah. like pulling fluid out of your veins. It's so oh. weird. So finally, the, this guy comes in. He's like, "All right, we're gonna roll you over. You're gonna get, you know, the procedure is gonna get done." So 
I'm like, can I just walk? And they're like, no, we got it. We have to roll you over. So it's like that thing you see in in every movie when someone's at a hospital where you're just laying there and the lights are just going, you know, fast, you know, the fluorescent lights. So they they roll me into this like space age room. There's all this technology. By the way, did they give you? I always ask this. Did they give you like a pre-op drug to calm you down before? Not no. Oh wow. No. Um. I would have loved one. I was pretty. I was pretty relatively calm. Like they, they really like. By the way, when this happened, they were like, um, "Just so you know, you like couldn't have been in a better place for this to happen." Like, like, <laughs> like, like this is, is like there. people fly from around the world to this place wow. to get this procedure done. Like, it's a very specific procedure that you have to have. Like, highly crazy. It's just mm-hmm. like a lot of technology. And he's like. You know, you just lucked into this. It's insane. Like you just happened to be half a mile down the road when this happened. It's crazy. Jeez, man, that's so, um, so I go into this room, you know, and where all this is, you know, there's like five or six doctors around. It's all this crazy uh, equipment. And there's like this, the way that they see where the wire is going through your body is through like a magnetic thing. It goes onto a screen so they mm-hmm. can see it like traveling up through your body into your heart. The wire. Jesus <laughs> so the guy, the doctor who's doing it, there's like two doctors who were in charge, and there was like a couple, um, a couple like you know helper people, and um, they said, uh, you know, just lay back. We're gonna we're gonna put all this stuff on you, and uh, we're gonna give you this. You know, we're gonna knock you out, and and um, then you'll wake up and everything will be fine. I was like, cool. And I remember the main doctor was like, how do you feel about Skinnerd? It's like Leonard Come Skinner. On. He's like, yeah, we got we got Leonard. We got we got the Leonard Skinner Pandora station going. So hope you like it. And I was like, all right, fine. Um, it would have been funny if they were playing. You roll in and they're playing Jackson Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Oh my god. Or Nickel Creek. <laughs> <laughs> would you like? Yeah. Oh, Punch man. Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so anyway. Uh, you know, I'm just sitting there, and it was like the first time I've ever had anything like this done. And the, the family, like I, you know, Sarah brought my bags in a couple of days before and my sister, and uh, she's like, "You're gonna be was okay." She continuing on tour with yeah, Jack so she left on the tour, <laughs> and they did like two shows while I was gone, and um, and uh, I said, "Well, I'll, I'll probably, you know, I'm be, I'll be out of here on Thursday morning because they're gonna do it on Wednesday. And they want me to stay overnight, so I said, I'll just meet you in Philadelphia, which is what I did." Um, so and you were good to play after, like yeah. right away. So wow. I so so I um I'm, I remember being like it's like seven in the morning. I'm in this crazy operating room type of environment, and they're talking about Skinner on, on the, the weird mixture of like medical and technical, and then like the guy talking about Skinner. The doctor is super cool. Um, and a bunch bedside manner was died in a plane crash. <laughs> And uh, I remember, like, there was, like, a kid, like, a medical student who was who was there, like, to watch the procedure. And um, and you could tell he was, like, you know, he'd been in med school for a while. But, like, the, mo- the things the doctor was saying to him were so funny. He goes, so the way you find the heart is you go to the middle and just go a little bit to the left. And I was like, you're explaining to Dude, this. wait a minute. Wait a minute. This guy now? <laughs> were you awake the whole time? No, no, no. This oh, is, okay. like, when they're, like, wiring me up with all this stuff you know and like oh, they had God, to shave, yeah, I'd be shave like, my chest you yeah, know? yeah. Like, i don't have a lot of chest hair but so he's telling this medical student who's gotten so far that he's watching this procedure done how to find out where the heart is <laughs> so follow was, the beat yeah he was like you go to the middle and then you just go a the little middle. bit to the left it was something like that 
And, uh, and I mean, I, I, all this time I had total confidence, but it, I just thought it was, I was like, you're teaching this guy that now? Like, anyway. With um, me awake. So, and they put like a X on it or, you know, they wrote on my body. Are we recording? Yes. So, anyway, so then I just fall asleep. I think at that point they gave me like a little anxiety, something that just kind of made me feel fine for like a minute. And yeah. then, and then they're like, all right, you know, count down from 10. Which I don't know why they do that. Like, doesn't matter. Give you something to do. I guess so. But you, you get like to, you know, eight or seven and you're just. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then um, I woke up and it was like 1130. And I was like, I remember thinking like, oh, that was like five and a half hours. And the, the first thing the guy at the doctor said was, well, we fixed it. You were born with a weird nerve and we fixed it. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. Hmm. By the way, I should also say the night before procedure. This is so weird, but I was almost like, do I want to do this? Like, this is going to change my body, the way it's been my whole life. <laughs> this microscopic like, this fixing, nerve that you can't like see. fixing a huge problem that I've had. And in my brain, I was like, do I want to do this? It's so weird. Like, Will the- I be able to write music again? <laughs> you get but, on stage uh, and you can't the, play. It was the first thing that I've ever had, like, changed my body, except getting my wisdom, wisdom teeth taken out. So... Mm. Um, anyway, so he's like, yeah, which is by the way, far more traumatic. Yeah, way more. So he's like, yeah, we, um, we fixed it. We found this nerve. You were born with it and, uh, you're good to go. And they just like wheel me out, take me back to my room. You know, I hooked me up to the IV and I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And I didn't feel that groggy. I mean, I felt kind of groggy, but like not that bad. And the, mm-hmm. I remember going into it, the doctor was like, man, we got like the, the drugs that they give you now to put you under aren't nearly as bad as they used to be. Like you, you're going to feel pretty good. That's so weird. I remember when I had my appendix out. I don't think this ha- I don't think I remember this with my wisdom teeth, but when I had my appendix out, I wake up, you wake up in a different room. You wake up in uh, they call it the recovery room. Right. And I woke up shivering. Like like I couldn't get warm enough. Whoa. I was covered in blankets and I it was the drugs wearing off. Right. And I was just like <laughs> You're jonesing. <laughs> oh my god, what's going and it was horrible. And I also remember my girlfriend in college had her tonsils out and I was at the uh the surgery center where she had that done and I remember, you know, when they wheeled her out as she was that was also very weird seeing her wake up from being out for like two hours yeah and then the same thing she was shivering and just like like yeah and it was i i almost passed out just from watching my girlfriend and like so much like disorientation and i was like oh i felt so bad for her yeah she was getting her tonsils out she had them out yeah Yeah. what was what was the thing that you woke up from where you were shivering? appendix appendix yeah but yeah i had never been out i had my the closest thing was i had my uh when I had my wisdom teeth taken out, they gave me like a bunch of Valium or something like that, you know, in an IV. I remember they just said like... How about you weren't asleep? No, I was kind of like half asleep. I, I, when I went in for the consultation, I was really nervous. He's like, don't worry, you, you're going to be in heaven tomorrow when this happens, you know. And um, <laughs> and I remember like getting this... I, we could tell this story at another time. I remember in the middle of getting my wisdom teeth taken out, like I would kind of dozing and I'd wake up and then I woke up and I remember saying... Man, I want to. I should do this every day. <laughs> and they must hear the craziest stuff oh, all the time. Oh man, when I went in to have my <laughs> appendix out, they 
they had given me a drug to calm me down. I don't know what it was, but they called it a pre-op or something. They came in and injected me with something to calm me down because I was nervous. Yeah. And it made me super insanely loopy. Yeah. And then they wheel me into the operating room and they put me on the operating table. And I didn't know this, but you're laying on the table and there are two arm little tables going out to the side like a cross right where they put your arms out so they can put (laughs) an IV in it and I remember just going oh my god I'm like Jesus (laughs) and I've told I think I've told that story on here before but I'm like oh my god I'm like Jesus and um or or something to that effect or like this must be how Jesus yeah that's how Jesus felt (laughs) but all the doctors and nurses were laughing my dad was in the room he was an anesthesiologist, <laughs> but they don't let you work on your family. But right. he was there, and he was like, everyone was laughing. And uh, that then they gave me the gas, and they're like, now count backwards from yeah. ten. And I don't even think I made it to nine. I was yeah. like, ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, it is, it is like, I'm so glad to be living in this oh. time of my life. Like, yes. think about how lucky we are to be living in this tiny, tiny sliver like all the things we live in, like Southern California, we live in America, America in Southern California right now. Yeah. Like of all the times and places, it's like we have it so easy. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Like people used to drink a bunch of whiskey and bite a bullet and get their legs <laughs> sawn off. <laughs> bite a bullet. <laughs> I have a bullet that I got on a high school trip that um, to um, Gettysburg. So the farmers, like when they plow their fields, they get all these musket balls still because oh, so many Civil people. Sh- yeah. And so they, they have buckets of like musket balls and stuff. And there was one area that was a hospital camp and they, they have tons of bullets that are just smashed with teeth marks. With teeth marks. And, and you, you can buy them. You really? So that. Yeah. Bite the bullet. Because they didn't want you to, to bite your tongue off. Because you're in so much pain. But it feels like you would break your teeth on a piece of... No, because it's, it's lead. It's really soft. So it oh. smashes. Okay. Because yeah. I was always like, why bite a bullet? A, it'll explode in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and B, you're going to break your teeth. Well, yeah. With these, these I are, thought it was like, why not old, leather? Old-timey bullets were made of lead so because they, they would like melt them and like make them themselves. You know, back then it was like... So... Okay, anyway, so, you wake up. so I had, so I wake up. Okay, we'll go back to. Oh well, gosh, this is a story within the story. So this was my wisdom teeth story, which was, yeah, I woke up, you know, and in the middle they're like, "You're half done," and oh, at the end they're like, "Well, you're done." And I was like, "Great!" And I stood up, and I remember like, "Me Whoa! too, me too." I stood up, like, let's go. I you know? stood up and fell down. <laughs> yeah, like they couldn't catch me. Yeah, they're like, "You gotta, we gotta wait." And then then they said, "Okay, we're gonna put you in the waiting room while we do, while we take your sister's teeth out." We had them done at the same time. <laughs> What? Because because my mom didn't want to have to deal with two like recovery times. She yeah, was yeah. like, my sisters were like impacted. They were they hadn't come in. Mine were. So were mine. How old so, were you? I think I was like twenty one or something. Oh, yeah. I was sixteen. And my sister would have been like, they took 17. mine out before they gave me braces. Like I needed braces, and they're like, uh-huh. we're gonna take your wisdom teeth out because when they come in, they will fuck up everything yeah. we just did with your braces. Oh man. It's just so weird that you've got these teeth that come in. But uh <laughs> so weird. I mean, I guess it makes sense like back in the day when your your teeth would fall out, you know, you needed something for like the last couple years of your life. <laughs> when you when you when you died at like 20 28, that was like yeah, your yeah. lifespan. But um so then I then they put me in this waiting room and I remember like I was just loopy as hell and it was like nurses would be, be coming in and out and I remember at one point like giving a nurse the 
uh, surfs up like this. You know, shaka, shaka. The shaka, which I've never done in my entire life. Like, just you walk through, and I was just like, yep. <laughs> I felt so cool. And shaka, you know, I remember, bro. like, <laughs> them, like, laughing. And it's weird, because I, I had this, like, part of me where I was like, that's weird. You, should, you know, like, part of me knew that I wasn't myself, but then I also still did that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so back, to, okay, so back to waking up from this heart, heart procedure. Um, <laughs> they put me back in my room, and... Uh, and I'm, I'm there and I'm like, you know, kind of groggy, but I feel okay. And then I called my, my parents and I'm talking to my mom. And I'm like, yeah, it's done. She's like, oh, I'm so glad it's done. While I'm talking to her, my heart goes like, doo, doo, like really hard. And I, and I was like, Shit, they didn't fix it. You know, like, and I didn't say anything to her. I just, I was like, okay, I got to go. So then I hang up and I call like the nurse and doctor. And it's like, hey, um, this just happened, you know, and then you're all hooked up to everything so they can like see on the mo- you know, like monitor history. And um, <laughs> like we operated on yeah. the wrong heart. <laughs> we operated on your other heart. Yeah. By the way, you have two hearts, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> like a cow. Don't cows have two stomachs? Yeah, I think four. Right. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's either two or four. I don't know. <laughs> it's not one. It's, 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 m- multiple. it's more than one, which is Great. So anyway, she um, I call the man, I call the nurse, and she's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll have the doctor look at your, you know, your record. You know, that's all on this computer." And so then I was just like, for an hour or two, I was like, "Dang it, man! Like, I thought thought that this was gonna be over." Doctor comes in, he's like, "So that was a different thing than what we worked on. That was this thing that happens in like the left ventricle." What? Oh, okay. One other thing I should say before this all went in, they said we're gonna go in, we're gonna find it, find the nerve, we're gonna cauterize it. It's called a cardiac ablation. That's what the whole cardiac ablation. ablation. I think that's what the whole procedure uh-huh. is called. And they said if we we're gonna find it, if we don't find it, that means it's in the right ventricle or the other ventricle, which other one. And if we if it's in that one. There's a 50% chance, if we find it, there's a 50% chance that you would have to be on a pacemaker oh. for the rest of your life. So, but they wouldn't have done it during this. They would, they, they would have woken me up and been like, okay, it's not in, it's in, it's not in that one. We have to do it again. And you're going to have to take the chance of either 50%, we fix it, 50%, it's, you're pacemaker. a pacemaker for the rest of your life. So, but this was the first one. So, like, I woke up. So, that was really, like, when the doctor said, like, oh, yeah, we fixed it. I was like, ugh, I don't have to deal with another one of these and maybe a pacemaker. Um, and uh, so, wake up. So I'm in the, you know, oh, sorry. So, that little, like, heart palpitation, like, the quick one happened. Doctor comes in. He's like, now, that's in the that's in the other ventricle. And that's just, like, overact. That's adrenaline. You just have too much adrenaline in your body. You have an overactive adrenaline gland. And, like, doctors would come in. Every time they walked in the door, my heart rate would go up. And they'd be like, <laughs> are you okay? And, like, it would be like, beep, 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 which would just cause more anxiety. And they thought they, they were like, are you, is it happening? I was like, no, I'm just nervous because you guys are in here. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it just scares, scares. It's just, I hate it. And they're like, wow, you really need to chill out. One of them said something like that to me. Like, you need to chill out. And Take I was a like, chill pill, Sean. Yeah. And uh, so I said, um, I was like, but it's not like the thing that's happening is not what you operated, you know, what the procedure was like, no, it's, they're totally separate things. And, um, and they're like, you, you're fine. Like, that's just, it just happens to some people. It's just adrenaline and it's not dangerous. And people live with this kind of stuff all the time. And, um, they're like, if you want, you can, you know, we can prescribe, uh, uh, beta blocker, which definitely will block it out. You can take it whenever you want. 
you don't have to take it, you know, every day, every day. You can just take it if you're feeling like really anxious or if you're doing something that you really need to not panic. It, and it like basically totally. So you took the beta blockers. I didn't for a long time. And then I had this prescription and then and then uh, I was just I was on tour with Lyle Lovett. Like <laughs> a few months later of filling in for my friend. Was this while Lyle Lovett was dating Julia Roberts? No, no, that was that was like 20 years ago. This was like. This is like six years ago. And I was filling in for a friend who played guitar with him. I just did like three weeks. And it was really stressful. And like I had to learn all this material really fast. And uh, and it was just really hard. It's stressful. And like on stage. And I love Lyle. But it was just it was just a lot of. And I remember just being like really stressed out in the middle or right before one of the shows. I was like, I'm just going to take one of these things and see if it helps. And I took, took, like, took one. And I was like, wow. It really just takes you like yeah like i just have yeah and um so that's basically it and since then i remember what once the, once the procedure happened i remember thinking like if i go five years without it happening i'll believe it i'll believe that it worked and it's like six years going on six years now um and so yeah it's crazy i'd heard I'd heard I've heard of a couple other people that have had had it done. Oh wow. Um Yeah, that was the first thing you mentioned to me when I did the podcast about my heart. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to go into it and have a procedure. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, like, I would totally if you can afford it, I mean, or if you have insurance, like, it's super easy. I mean, they you know, no one's ever it's it's very reliable and very simple. Um, you know, and the recovery time is like nothing. Like I, so the next day after the procedure, wake up and they're like, all right, well, um, you're free to you're go. Good, you're good to go. They just unhook you. And, and I just got my bag, went out, got a cab to the airport and flew to Philadelphia and played a show. Jesus <laughs> Christ. It was crazy. I, yeah. I joined the rest of the, you know, the tour. Did they throw a party for you? Everyone was like so nice to me. <laughs> they're all nice all the time, but everyone was like, are you okay? <laughs> and, uh. And I was like, yeah, it's everything's fine. It's, it's great, you know. That's um, so weird you had that other thing happen th- right after you which woke was up. really great to, like, be in the hospital when it's happening. And they're like, oh, yeah, we saw it. We can see exactly where it's happening in your heart. That's just, like, that's something else. It's totally fine. You know, like. I would have assumed it was, like, a phantom. Because when I had my appendix out, I had mine out. I didn't have an appendicitis. My appendix didn't rupture. But for years, I would have this twit, this twinge of like a really quick, I mean, like a split second of like a sharp pain in my abdomen right above my hip bone on the right side, uh-huh. just really quick. And it would always freak me out, but it was so fast and it would only happen once in a while. Yeah. And then when I was like 18, I was working on a construction crew and we were roofing a house no, we were roofing a church, like an A-frame. So it was super steep. And I was up on top of this church, and I got that pain, only it didn't go away. Mm-hmm. It was just there, and right. like I couldn't straighten up. And I was on top of a fucking church and like <laughs> a very precarious... Oh, and that was the other thing. Everyone had taken off for lunch. Mm-hmm. And so I was up there by myself in the middle of... Oh I think it was God. out near like corona or pomona or something Mm -hmm. and i had to climb down the the a-frame to the to the ladder and then 
I went into the bathroom because I thought, oh, maybe it's maybe I'm constipated or yeah. something, and nothing happened. And and um, uh, my I think my God, if I don't remember if I drove to my parents or if my mom came and got me. But then we went to the hospital and they did all these tests, and they're like, everything seems fine. Yeah. And then uh, so for the next couple of weeks, it was going to visit different specialists, and eventually, they're like, we think it's your. Um, appendix Mm -hmm. we have no proof (laughs) and that's just the worst it's like it's probably this we should take it out just in case you know so it doesn't uh burst because that's a whole nother monster and so uh it's so crazy to me that there's organs in your body that you can just take out and you're fine yeah you don't need your appendix at all I'm surprised like we used it's to need not it, right? one of those things. Maybe I'm surprised think, like, it's not like not one of those things that they just when you're born they take it out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We're gonna circumcise your kid and uh, Dude, take out your appendix. I was watching Colbert the other night, and there was some actress. She's Australian. I can't think of her name, but she has a story where she she wanted to have her appendix taken out. I don't know why, but she faked it. She learned that if you. If you the symptom of having appendicitis is if you press when you press it in it doesn't hurt but when you let go it hurts. Oh. So she learned that she went to, she complained that she had this you know lower right pain in her stomach. Went to the doctor and they're like, does it hurt? And she's like, they pressed and she said no. They released and she's like, oh, it hurts now. And they're like, yep, that's your appendix. So she got her appendix taken out. Didn't need it. Oh, <laughs> I like, want to know who this was. I think maybe it was on Conan. I think maybe it was on Conan the other night. She's like a. Australian actress. Tony Collette. I just watched her horror movie. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was promoting so she, she got her appendix taken out because she wanted it taken out and it had it was totally fine. Oh <laughs> my that is. And she so told mental. the story and she said she was like, Yeah, it's so embarrassing. And I was like What? Yeah, but it, I mean I don't know. I think the reason was she didn't wanna she wanted to get out of school for a while, or there was something like she just didn't want to have to do something. It was like I that is so extreme. Maybe you were afraid of your appendix bursting, like if you had a weird, yeah, pre-emptive. mental disorder where you're like constantly like you have a fear of your appendix Dude, bursting. The first time I ever heard about it, like I, you know, like a couple of my friends growing up when I was in high school, you, you always know someone that has their appendix has had their appendix out, and my friend Andrew had his appendix taken out when he was camping in. Uh, Yosemite and like his stomach, sta- his stomach started hurting. Always when you're yeah. in the worst <laughs> yeah. place. So his, his stomach started hurting. His dad was like, "Oh, you probably just had something. Just go to sleep." And it was like three in the morning. He's like dying of pain, and he, they're like they had to drive to Fresno. It's like three hours. Oh, yeah, you know. And he gets it taken out, and uh, he comes back and he's got this scar. And uh, and so ever since then, I was like, "Oh man!" It's like every time I'd feel something in my stomach, I would be like, "Oh, it's probably my appendix." You know, it'd be like gas or something, or yeah. And then like it's for, literally like a, right above your right hip bone, right? And so like then I remember feeling like like eighteen or nineteen, feeling this like pain down there, and then I just kept pressing on it, and then I I pressed on it so much for like two days that that your made muscles it sore, are sore yeah. yeah. And then I, I went to a doctor, and they're like, "You're totally fine." And I was Stop. like, "Well, it hurts," and they're like, "Well, you keep pressing on it all the time." <laughs> Stop like messing with your. Muscles. Oh, that, that's the thing. I had it out, I, so I had my appendix out, and um, they uh, they're like, "All right, your appendix is out, and hopefully that'll fix everything." Yeah. And for like six months, everything was fine, and then one day I was 
watching TV, and all of a sudden I got that same cramp. Ugh. I was like, oh, oh no. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't say, let's go to the doctor. I was like, that was weird. Um, you know, and I heard about, you know, phantom pains where people have their legs taken off yeah. and they can still feel their feet or something. Oh, so weird. And so, because it's your brain is right. sending signals going, oh, your foot itches. Yep. If you had a foot. And isn't that weird to think that, like, your itch isn't in your foot, it's your brain? It's in your brain. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, it happened like one or two other times over in the next like year or so, and mm-hmm. then uh, it's gone. So wow. I think it was my appendix. Man, what do the appendixes do anyway? They just like they just sit right off of your. Uh, what's their job? Your like, intestines to collect and, like toxins or something. That's supposed to. to po- they have no. It's like a goddamn pinata hanging off your intestines. <laughs> That's just waiting for your body to bust it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, oh. we, we did it, Sean. Wow. That was a... Yeah. That was a full hour and three minutes. Oh, Usually, wow. I'm struggling to get to 50 minutes. Sorry. I feel like I, I really... I, no, I just this was really good. Went, went, uh, went hard with the story. And I, I left out a lot of stuff. There's a bunch of other... There's a bunch of other stuff. But it's it's really good to, you know, to know for people... I think it's for people that, you know, that have you know palpitations like you do a lot i mean like you talk to most people and they've had like heart palpitations at some point in their life yeah. for one reason or another yeah. like pregnant women have it sometimes a lot of people have um, what are called i, I want to say pvcs hmm. i think that's what it, i don't know what that stands for but it's a very common you know palpitations are very common mm-hmm. and can be caused by so many things that, that was my frustration was yeah now it, i have to go through all the testing to figure out what of the many things is causing yeah it. i think it's just good for people to know like when that happens because like if you have one it would happen to me like i'd have one if i was in an anxious oh wait sorry dominique is on uh premature ventricular contractions yeah there you go um so it's just nice to know like what it is because there were times when I would have like a palpitation and it would like throw me I'd be like oh my gosh and then I'd panic because of that and then like my heart started being faster because I'm panicking yeah and it's just like this yeah this thing that if you know if you know what's happening I it kind of just kills the whole the whole fear of it when I was a writer on Kimmel I remember go I I, I was on my way to work in the morning and I stopped at Trader Joe's to get to get like something to take to, to work to eat later. And I was in line at Trader Joe's and I had such a hard heart palpitation. It wasn't multiple. It was just one quick, yeah. felt like a skip beat or a stronger beat. Yeah. And it made me so lightheaded that I thought I was going to pass out. I immediately recovered and was fine. But then I went into the writer's room and of course they're all comedians. So I'm like, I almost passed out just now in Trader Joe's and everyone just starts laughing at me. <laughs> And I was like so embarrassed. And I was oh like, well, clearly this is something I can't talk about with people. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Do you think that it's just like that's just a reaction, like a human reaction to, you know, being like not knowing. Yeah. Being not just being uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm sure all those assholes that's... have had heart palpitation. <laughs> and if not, I hope the ones that laughed at me get heart palpitations <laughs> really severely. <laughs> Man, I... My gosh. I Oh, can I tell one more story? Of course. So this was probably like seven or eight years ago. Um, I had I was really sick. 
had like a flu. I was like going through some kind of emotional, like I think it was just something was happening. And I drove down from LA to San Diego. I had a place in LA and then a f- place in San Diego. I was staying. Now I'm staying. Um, and on the way down, I just, uh, I just felt I was getting sicker and sicker. It was like really bad flu. Um, and I was just anxious and got down to San Diego at like six or seven. And I went to the hospital and, uh, just after hours where you walk in and, um, you know, I'm waiting in the waiting room and, uh, this doctor comes in and he, and he's, you know, um, I was just really sick. And then also really nervous. I started like basically having like a panic attack and he's like looking, you know, like, you know, looking at me and like, you know, listening to my heart and everything. And he's like, are you, um, you know, it's a, it's a safe place, but are you are you have you been doing drugs? And I was like, no, no, I haven't. And then I he's like, you 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 can tell me, you can tell me. And I was like, so then I start freaking out even more because they think I'm on drugs, <laughs> full on <laughs> panic attack, and like I, I'm like I can't catch my breath. And they're like, he's like, you're telling me you're not like, have you t- taken any methamphetamines today? And I was like, <laughs> methamphetamines. And then I started like thinking like, shit, like what if. Did did I and I, I'm forgetting? Like, am I like so out of my mind on drugs that like I forgot that I took? Am drugs? I an addict? But I've never taken a, dr- a drug in my life. Like at that point, like hardly any nothing. Like in just only like alcohol, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> and so I start kind of like freaking out, having a panic attack. And this is like a young doctor. He's like, "Can you stay here? Just don't leave this room." And <laughs> I was like, "Call the police." He's like, "Sit down." I was like, "I don't feel like sitting down." I was like, "I, I want to stand up." And they leave. He leaves, and he comes back a minute later with another doctor who's like really big. And I was, I, I feared at that point that they thought that I was on drugs and I was going to be like really strong and like run away. <laughs> and I'm like, and they were run like, there, and then they're like, "You're sure you haven't taken any drugs? Because your body is like." really amped up right now and uh i was like i haven't done anything but like that's just making everything worse and i can't leave and (laughs) and so then they're like okay well if you're telling the truth we're gonna give you we're gonna give you this drug we're gonna put a shot of this thing in in your body and um if you calm down if you calm down then then you will be telling the truth if not we're gonna know that you're on drugs we're gonna have to treat that treat you for that i was like fine give it to me bring it i'm not on drugs so and but they said well if we but if we do this then you're not gonna be able to drive home and i said oh god so i called my parents i'm like i'm at the hospital they're doing this thing i'm gonna need you to take me home i'm like okay so they give me this shot in my ass (laughs) and and i just lay there for like 10 minutes and they come in they're like how you doing i was like fine they looked at my vital signs like oh okay yeah and then at that point, he, he was like, you just really need to, like, chill out. It was another one of those things where he told me to chill out. And I was like, well, I know. I know I need to chill out. Can you just give me the antibiotics so I can get out of here? Like, that's why I went in. It's just to get antibiotics for flu. And um, so they and he was like, I th- I can't remember if he asked or if, he, or if I asked him. But he's like, I'm going to give you also give you a little prescription for Xanax. And I was like, all right. So, uh, nice. so I had a, so I had a little Xanax for a little while and I'm, I hate taking I do things. Too. I do too. Like, I know you've talked about all the time. Like I last resort will take cold medicine or like, me to too. me, that's the craziest, weirdest feeling. And the next day you feel awful and like, uh, like Theraflu or no, what's the other one? Uh, the one, uh, uh, NyQuil, like that's, yeah, it's yeah. just crazy. So anyway, they send me home. And, uh, but it was at that point that I realized like my body is amped. It gets really amped up <laughs> because of anxiety and because of adrenaline and Math stuff. And it was, yeah, <laughs> but they thought I was on drugs. 
totally thought that. And um, oh my god! And so yeah, um, <laughs> they thought I was on drugs. But it's not. <laughs> it's nice to know, like, to have this stuff happen and be at a hospital and then have them say, like, this is what's happening. We know we were. It here. is a bummer when it happens, though, when you're on the road. Oh yeah, any kind of thing on the road, any kind of sickness. Like your family and friends, and yeah, girlfriends. Yeah, everyone is away. Yeah, I had a couple, like a couple of friends that were like, "Do you want me to come out there?" But it was like clearly they didn't, they want, didn't want. Yeah, to. so like, and I'd, and I'd be like, "No, no, just you don't, you don't need to." You know? I mean, it would have been great to have someone, yeah, like someone there, but I'm not gonna make someone like fly across the country to. Um, Free Jackson Brown tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite a quite a roller coaster. It was it was cool to like be in a hospital <laughs> like see how yeah, see what cool. it's like i'd never like i'd always been like yeah, what is it like to be in a hospital i've never i'm sure it's going to happen at some point it but sucks yeah it, the, just feeling vulnerable is, is the worst part like you're there and you need help it's always weird i just can't help but think when i'm in a hospital there are people in here right now who are dying oh yeah there's most likely dead bodies in here somewhere oh yeah uh, or people that have been here for like three months yeah and i'm like I know I'm going to be out in three days and I'm, yeah, yeah, it's really like, it's great to know. And then you get out of the hospital and like you, the world is bright and Brighter. you're like, you're just like happy. You're like, oh, this is amazing. It's incredible. I'm going to keep this feeling forever. And then the next day you wake <laughs> up, you're like, ah, just back, back, back into it. You're like, ugh, I don't know what time go sound to sleep check. Again. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fuck. <laughs> Jeez. I have to play music for a living. Ugh. Uh. Um, it did last for a while. I did feel pretty, pretty good, pretty happy to be out of it. Um, not bad. Congratulations. And I lost like seven pounds just cause I didn't eat the food cause it was so gross on tour. No, just being in, in the, the hospital, hospital for like oh, three yeah, days. Yeah, it's gnarly. It was, there was one thing they gave me that I had no clue what kind of meat it was. Like it was just this beige meat thing. <laughs> <laughs> this beige meat thing. <laughs> It was beige. It wasn't I used even... to work in a hospital cafeteria. It was my job, my first job. I was 16, and I worked in the hospital that my dad was working at, and I was in the kitchen. One of my jobs was to take the carts of food up to the different floors mm -hmm. and then um, go back an hour or two later and collect them and then wash the dishes. Wow. It was horrible. Wow. Because you'd get trays back that were like, Normally, people would eat their food and it'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, other times, obviously, these people are sick, so they wouldn't touch their food. So yeah. it'd be whole trays of food. Other times, there would be like a rag full of disgusting, bloody <laughs> snot on the <laughs> or puke on the tray, and you're like, "Oh, come on, so man!" Gross. That's why <laughs> I'm getting five dollars an hour for this. And also, like, think about the germs. Oh, yeah. I mean... Believe me, I thought about that every goddamn day. <laughs> you did at 16? You were think you were germ germaphobe? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, okay. uh, if people can find you on social media... Yeah, Sean C. Watkins, I think, is my Instagram or Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, probably both. Um, and they can find you. You perform. You and your sister perform the Watkins Family Hour. Yeah. at Largo monthly. Every month we've been doing it monthly for years. fifteen years now. About fifteen, maybe sixteen. And it's a great show. It's uh, you know bluegrass and folk, and 
you you know you guys play and, with have a lot of guests you know like Jackson Brown yeah, or Jackson Apple John C Riley yeah um and Steve Steve takes pictures y'all that are awesome um, I, you I you will regularly see photos of mine from Largo is Largo is so cool for someone like I mean for musicians it's great comedians but also like as a photographer it's like a gold mine yeah because you can just I can just you lurk in the shadows. Lurk in the shadows and get you get really great, yeah, great shots. Um, yeah, we, we Watkins Family Hours, this thing that my sister and I do, and we. Um, How many albums do you have out personally? Uh, two. My own, I have like, well, two that I, <laughs> two that I would recommend people check out. The last two, and then I made a bunch before that, that are just awful self indulgent. Um, but you can records. also find your um, Nickel Creek Nickel, albums. Yeah, Nickel Creek's main band that I, I grew up playing in, and it's, we still do sometimes. Um, Nickel Creek Watkins Family Hour and my my own under my name. Um, uh, well, I'm in a band called Fiction Family. We've got a couple of records. Is that um, what you've just been working on? No, that's just my with my friend John Foreman, who's a oh, San yeah, Diego yeah, yeah. pal. He's in that band Switchfoot. Yeah, um, he was at uh, Friend Fest. Yes, yeah. Um, but he and I, our schedules are so, bit, so busy, we can't ever find time to record or tour. We've toured like twice, and that was like eight years ago. So. What were you just recording in Portland? Portland? Oh, uh, my new solo record, um, which nice. I'm mixing right now, and probably come out early fall, and then I'll do some some shows for that. Cool. But um, yeah, you gotta be you gotta be really diverse these days as a musician. You gotta have mm-hmm. your hands in a lot of pots, a lot of fires. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep your hands in a lot don't, of fires. Don't put your hand in fire, folks. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm glad we made it happen. Yes, happy to be here. And anytime. Um, check Sean out online, you guys, and buy his albums and stuff. They're amazing. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We're no doctors. <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> <laughs>